good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. I'm glad you've joined us again for this uh, latest episode of Let the Bible Speak. Today's program is an edited version of a message delivered to a group of ladies uh, at a ladies' conference in our church. The full version is available uh, on sermonaudio.com. Trust the Lord will bless His word to your heart today. Well, please turn your Bibles to the book of Jude, at the end of the New Testament, and the little epistle of Jude, just that one uh, chapter. The verse 1 says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then verse 20 of the same epistle, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Keep yourselves in the love of God and looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Well, I think the two words that I wanted you to take home with you uh, from this conference this morning were the two words doctrinal maturity. And we all know, at least I trust you know, and you've been reminded this morning, that doctrinal maturity is vital for all believers. It is not something just for pastors or for men. It is vital for all of God's children, for all who know Christ, that they grow and they mature doctrinally. It is not true that doctrine divides. Doctrine unifies. Doctrine stabilizes. And that is true for all the saints. Jude does not specify men or women as he encourages the saints to all, in verse number 3, to contend earnestly for the faith. And the faith there clearly is not describing or subjective trusting in Christ, as important that is, but rather is describing the body of doctrine that has been committed by the Spirit to the church. It is that body of truth called the faith. That body was delivered unto the saints once and for all. Doctrinal maturity gives great personal stability from error. And in times of personal crisis, your feet are firmly planted upon the truth of God. It promotes unity. It encourages accurate evangelism of children and of others. It enables younger women to be taught soundly by older ladies. And so, I want to encourage you afresh that you would leave here with a renewed determination to, to grow in your understanding of the gospel, no matter, no matter how mature you may be in your faith. Eternity will be spent getting to know more about God. And therefore, you may have been converted for 60 years, but there are still things you can grow in your understanding of the gospel. These are important things. Doctrinal maturity is for every believer. Now, 
I must again at this point just insert a, a, another word of qualification. Doctrine, of course, must be experienced. Not only learnt. This is not, the Christian faith is not like going to, to high school and passing your high school diploma by getting a sufficiently good score in an examination. Christian doctrine must always move from the head to the heart. But it will not hit the heart until it gets to the head. You will not properly feel until you're properly taught. There is a need to know the truth before you then feel the truth. But I do not want you to leave here with a determination to learn more, but not with a determination to feel more. I want you to have that scriptural, emotional Christian life that is in love for Christ fervently, but that will only come from a proper understanding of the gospel. You see, to know Christ or to know God, we must more fully know about Christ and know about God. So, I have simply four adverbs. How do you grow maturely in Christian doctrine? Well, I have just four adverbs. Four words that describe how you grow in doctrinal maturity. And the first one, you must do so prayerfully. You must grow prayerfully. Look at verse 20 of this epistle in Jude. What does he say? But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, before we go any further, we should understand what this verse means. And the word building is a construction term. It describes the idea of adding brick upon brick to a, to a building that is then an edifice, a building up. But that building has a foundation. Your building and the foundation is described as your most holy faith. Now, I've said already that faith in the Bible can refer to two separate issues. It may refer to your subjective trust in Christ, but in this case it refers to the truth of the gospel. You could insert truth for faith there, your most holy faith. Now, that should immediately encourage you. Can you think if you were to build yourself up on your personal faith? How strong is your faith? Is it worth building on? Oh, it's, it's a gift of God, but we are, we are like the man, Lord, I believe. Help by my unbelief. We, we live with the instability of our faith. But this is a sure foundation because it is a faith concerning Christ and the gospel. But we see that Jude emphasizes to his readers that they are personally responsible to build themselves up on their faith. This does not happen for you. The words are a very directive. You personally must take responsibility. You must build yourselves up on your most holy faith. You must get your hands dirty as well. You must lift the bricks and the mortar and build up the building. But you must do so upon the faith that is the gospel. But I say this can only be done prayerfully. You will see, he says, they're praying in the Holy Ghost. We will not succeed in any Christian endeavor but by the grace of God. Personal responsibility in the Bible is always governed by a sense of divine dependence. 
we understand. And if you're to leave here this afternoon and say to yourself, well, I understand. I, I may have been saved 30 years, but I still have so much maturing to do. I'm going to try better. Well, fine. But make sure you try better upon your knees. That you understand that the only way that you will grow doctrinally is by the work of the Spirit in your life. And so the psalmist in the Old Testament, Open thou mine eyes, that I may hold wondrous things out of thy law. And understanding that if we're, if we're to have our eyes opened, it's not because we wake up in the morning and open our eyes and turn to the Bible. There's a spiritual need for God to open our eyes so that we will see what we ought to see in the Word. And you think of Paul's language in 1 Corinthians. You turn back there, please, quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we have the, uh, the very simple teaching of Paul regarding the blindness of our natural minds. Verse 14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There is the need for the Spirit of God to teach us the truth. As we study the Word of God... So first of all, if you're going to grow doctrinally, you must do so prayerfully. In the second place, you must do so patiently. Patiently. This term, building up yourselves, this finds itself in the category of what we call our sanctification. There are things in the Word of God that happen once and for all. When you come to Christ, you are once and for all forgiven. You're justified. You're adopted into the family of God. That is not a repeated event that happens once when you're joined with Christ. But here, you're reading a term that denotes progress. It denotes a development, building up yourselves. It's a term of sanctification. And sanctification is always a progressive thing. It is something we do bit by bit. If you like, in this picture, brick by brick. And there's something to understand. You must realize that you will not be what you want to be in a day. It's like when you begin to do some physical exercise. You may think to yourself, well, I'm determined. I'm going to, I'm going to run that 10K in the local park, and I'm going to do so next week. And so you start, and the first day you run 10K. So I can never do this. Uh, and you go back to bed. You understand there's a need for development and progress, and so there is in our spiritual understanding. You've got to be patient. You've got to realize that you take small steps, and, and bit by bit you grow and you develop in your understanding of these things. Peter often in his letters talks of reminders. There's a sense in which we all understand that due to the nature of the fall, our minds are not what we'd like them to be. And there is a need for continual building and building up upon things, line upon line, precept upon precept, and reminder upon reminder. It's a progressive thing. So therefore, be patient. And do not come to Tuesday, throw the new book in the corner and say, I give up, I can't run 10K. Don't do that. Listen to what I'm saying right now. You must be patient as you try to grow doctrinally. But also... 
because this is a matter of sanctification, you must also understand that one believer's growth will vary from another. Boys, they can run 10K in 40 minutes. That's incredible. I can't run in four hours. And you begin to compare people within the church. Oh, I could never know as much as she knows. And sometimes that can be a jealous spirit. It can be a sense of, hmm, who do they think they are quoting Calvin's Institutes to me today? And there can be that spirit within the church. And the reason I say it is because that's true for men. And I suspect it might also be true for women. You see, there's an understanding that we should not be intimidated by others. You've got to walk with God individually, privately. And therefore you must accept the fact that you are accountable for how you are building up yourself. And that's what the text is saying. So, prayerfully, patiently, thirdly, purposefully. Like all Christian growth, like running a 10K, it doesn't happen without exertion and exercise. Practically, how do we learn? Well, God has made us to learn by listening, by reading, by making notes, by asking questions, by talking. I have, I have just four things I want to leave with you in terms of being purposeful. Uh, now these are, are just generous. I, I, we, could, we could do an entire conference in each of these uh, uh, separate topics. First of all, I want to encourage you to sit under doctrinal preaching. You turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. Our brother turned us to Ephesians 4, uh, referring to the stability that we enjoy in our Christian life. We are not to be like children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. That whole section is about doctrinal maturity. It's about growing in our understanding and our experience of the faith. But you will see in the verse number 11 that the risen and ascended and reigning Christ gives gifts to his church so that men and women can grow in doctrinal maturity and stability. If you have any doubt that Ephesians is referring to both men and women, there's sections in the portion that refer to the Jewish husbands and wives in submitting to their husbands. This is the book written to the entire church. And to that entire church, the risen and ascended Christ has given the gifts, verse 11, of pastors, teachers. They're given apostles, prophets, evangelists, those temporary New Testament offices, followed by the permanent office of pastor teacher for the development of Christian maturity, Christian unity, Christian stability. So therefore, if Jude is to write later on about the believers need to build up themselves, then surely Jude is also going to keep in mind the importance of the ladies in the church sitting under doctrinal preaching. This is a matter of personal responsibility. Now, I must recognize that in this land and in this area, there are various types of Bible teaching. Now, this is not an advertisement for this ministry or for this church. Please understand that. But it is a word of admonition to your younger ladies and to all of you that you must seek out and desire doctrinal Bible teaching. 
that is vital if you're to obey the command of God to build yourself up in the faith. I would urge you and plead with you, do not find yourself in a church where the Bible is never opened. Do not allow yourself to stay in a church where the minister may read a verse and then close the Bible, put it down, and begin to talk to you. That is a terribly bad sign. There is a necessity of all of God's people sitting under a regular expositional ministry of the Word of God. Why? Because Christ has given the gifts to the church for that purpose. It's not because we're on a power trip. It's not because we like telling them what to do. But rather, Christ has given to his church the gifts for Bible teaching for the benefit of the church, for your spiritual benefit. Stories may well shed light upon a text, but a sermon should not be one story after another. They're called skyscraper sermons, one story after another. They're dangerous. They are destructive. They allow men to give their own opinion and they do not ground the people in the word of God. So the need for the Bible to be open. You say, well, it's so difficult to sit and listen to Bible exposition. Oh, may God soften your heart to such. And that you raise the benefit of your minister is seeking to divide the text and teach you the grammar and the words that are used sitting under doctrinal preaching. Such requires preparation, yes. There's a need for good sleep. There's a need for that. You need to come with a prayerful spirit to be under the Word of God and receive the Word of God properly. What about the second thing? Well, we must study the Bible asking doctrinal questions in the second place. So sit under doctrinal preaching and study the Bible asking doctrinal questions. This is very simple. What does the Bible teach regarding God, regarding Christ, regarding sin, regarding salvation? A verse you can read. And yes, you may look at the verse and say, well, I want a word to encourage my heart. And that's, that's really, really important. But you must also understand the need that your heart will be properly encouraged when you find out about God and truth in the verse you're reading. And so read the verse, read the passage, and somebody say, what does this teach about God? What does it teach about Christ? What does it teach about sin and salvation? There were some great verses read and referred to in the test of my time this morning, real blessing to my own soul. Now you take the verse, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, it was read. That will be grounded in your heart when you properly understand God's covenantal faithfulness. You get that doctrine in your mind, that verse will even expand even more. That because you're attached to Christ covenantally, God will never, ever forsake you because it's impossible for God to lie and deny his covenant. You take the truth that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. You can underline it, you can put it up on your wall. But you read that text in context, it's grounded upon the doctrine of election justification, atonement, intercession, all of those doctrines are undergirding the truth that Christ, his love, will never be divorced from you. 
And so you see the need to ask doctrinal questions in your study. In the third place, I want to encourage you quickly to stand upon the shoulders of others. Our brother rightly mentioned uh, that books are not the book. But there are many helpful books about the book that can help us understand the book. We can grow in our knowledge of the Bible by rightly using good books on Christian doctrine. I, um, I brought a wee box with me. Just to give you a sample and an idea of shoulders of men that may help you. These are, these, these, I just, I looked around my shelf and I boom, 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 boom. That's all I did. I spent three minutes. Okay, I have a copy of Matthew Henry's commentary here. Why? Because it's a doctrinal commentary that is tremendously practical. I have a couple other sections. You have, uh, this is an old edition of a book by a Puritan called Body of Divinity. It's a summary of Christian doctrine. Uh, what I'm suggesting to you is, well, it's divided up into short sections. You say, I don't have an hour to spend. But you may well have five minutes. Or can I even suggest something more bold? Why don't you try in your personal schedule twice a week to set apart 30 minutes? Just 30 minutes, make yourself a cup of coffee or sweet tea, whatever you like to drink, and sit down in a comfortable chair and select a book, and you'll read that book twice a week for 30 minutes. And you put it in your diary. And if you can do anything else, you make sure that's protected time. Now, this is not instead of your Bible reading. This is supplementary because you have come to this conference to be told about the need to build yourself up on your most holy faith, to grow doctrinally. And so there are books like this one. There is, again, this is an old edition of a summary of Christian doctrine by Birkhoff. Again, very, very simply read. Short sections, Bible proofs all the way through it. This one here is very helpful. This is by John Calvin. Oh, I would never read John Calvin. Look how short that is. It's tiny. Truth for all times. Again, a summary of the Christian life. But again, it's beautifully produced by Banner of Truth, and it is in very short sections. So again, you can read... Just a few pages. They've, they've broken up the text, helpfully paragraphed it so that we don't need to get bogged down in pages and pages of reading. You have one of my favorites, Redemption, Accomplished, and Applied. If you want to go something a bit more, more deep, John Murray, tremendous, simple, profound, concise presentation of the work of redemption, Christ accomplishing it and applied by the Spirit of God. You know, the the library in the church office or in the bank or in perhaps your husband's or your father's house, it does not say anywhere men only. Certainly mine doesn't. And there's a real benefit in just taking some time and setting aside time to grow in these things. So, where did I get? Right, leave that down there. We have sitting under doctrinal preaching. We have the need to study the Bible asking doctrinal questions. We have the need to stand upon the doctrinal knowledge of others. And lastly, we should share our doctrine with others. You retain a small amount of what you listen to or read. Small amount, maybe less than 10%. You retain about half of what you've learned when you tell someone else what you've learned. So... Why don't you give it a try? You spend your 30 minutes twice a week. You make some notes on what you read. 
And then you call up your friend and say, you'll never believe what I learned about Christ's atonement this past week. Well, lastly, we've done this prayerfully, patiently, purposefully, and lastly, positively. Hopefully. Don't despair. Don't get discouraged. Don't say, I can't do this. Don't say, I'm not educated. Does God ever give us a command that he will not give us the ability to obey? Will God frustrate us? Will he, through his apostle, tell us to build ourselves up and then say, no, you're not going to do that? No, if this is God's will for our lives, then we have the certain confidence of the help of God, the Spirit of God, to enable us to obey what the Word of God says. And therefore you can get into this with a great positive mindset that you can ensure that by God's grace you will indeed grow in your understanding. If it's in God's Word, it is God's will for your good. And so it is... Pastor Hamilton's desire and my desire that you would all come to know more about the gospel and more about Christ and more about your gods so that you would know Christ more. We read the gospels, we find Christ coming in a person. We read the gospel accounts and we see him with his feet walking to bring the gospel to the poor. We see him with his hands touching the blind. We see his compassionate spirit. We hear him with his words, causing the dead to rise. We see Christ in the word. But then we move into the epistles and we have that explained for us. Oftentimes, we want to have our hearts in the place where the woman was pouring her tears upon the Savior, wiping them with her hair. We want that heart affection for Christ. That is our burden. We want to see Christ in our spiritual experience and pour out tears of love for him. We want to get there. But Christ says, he who is forgiven much loves much. Now that is not describing the depth of the woman's sin. It is her understanding of her depravity and her understanding of what forgiveness meant. A doctrinal awareness of forgiveness then promotes our love for Christ. That our sins are cast away, wiped away, washed away, thrown away, never to remember no more. When we understand that doctrinally, then we come to love Christ and our tears fall. And so what we are seeing here is the the vital importance that if we are to feel properly, we must indeed know truth properly. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.